Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew? Yeah. Jake McDonald is in the house. I'm stoked. Hopefully he won't kick us. <laughs> he could, though. Yeah, he sure could. You know, remember Billy Jack? Are you, are you that old? You remember I'm Billy not. Jack? Okay. I'm going to put this foot on that side of your head, and there's <laughs> nothing you can do about it. That's either a quote by Billy Jack or Jake McDonald, the Coastland Community Church pastor. So it's one of the two. Trivia. Awesome. That's good. You know what? I got to tell you, this is my take on Jake. I really love Jake. And I don't know if we have spent a complete hour together in one place at one time. I'm not sure. But every time I, I we should s- we should do that. Yeah. Well, why don't we do it right now? <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> Surprising. It's just that Jake, you're a man that you can understand your heart. You see your heart. The moment that I met you, not ooey gooey, but in a really manly way, I fell in love. I really did. I love your heart. And I know that the senior pastors of our church are so with you and for you because you're going after everything Jesus has. And so we're going to share you with the Sent 315 family here. Welcome to Thanks, the show. Thanks, man. Very nice. Glad you're I here. do ask, though, that you'll stop standing outside my house at night. Yeah. That's creeping my wife out. Okay. Now I have a broken heart. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> If you know me very well, I'm up at 4.30 and doing very few things very late at night. I like to start all my podcasts with inappropriate jokes. That's I had to get that out of the way. I'm just so glad you could fit Thanks us in. Thanks for coming. I appreciate all, yeah. that. That's very kind. So we play together. Mark and Dave, the senior pastors of Foothills Christian Church. Everybody who listens to the show doesn't go to Foothills Christian mm. Church, which is f- crazy. Why wouldn't they move here? I, mean, I know. I feel sorry for him. The, okay. the mortgages in San Diego are so reasonable. <laughs> right? Hey, you know. <laughs> Come on. It, it really is, for me, it's a kingdom relationship. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I wanted to get together with you is because of what you're doing and where you're doing it. So for Sent 315, basically it's based on 1 Peter 315 and everybody's different and everybody should share Jesus the way that they're built. And it's different for different people. Yeah, of course. And so uh, Foothills is different than Coastland Community. And I want to know about that. And I, But before we do, how'd you come to the Lord? What's your story before and your oh, encounter man. with the Lord? Let's see. So I grew up in a quasi-Christian home. And my parents had some Christian experience, but when I was about seven, <clears throat> that subsided. I remember them bringing me to church when I was seven, and that kind of switched up after I was seven. And then I didn't have a lot of rules or structure, and I became pretty rebellious. I got into skateboard culture, which in the Midwest is greatly distorted as like the rebellion teenagers. Yeah. And I was just very eccentric, like a punk rocker trench coat, mohawk, blue hair. (laughs) I got my first piercing when I was 16 because there was no laws against it because no one had done it. It was like right (laughs) when it first started, it's like, oh, let's go shove a needle. They're doing this thing. And it was just fun. So when I was young, I was next to a church in my neighborhood called First Christian Church. We would skateboard in the parking lot and we would pretty much terrorize the neighborhood. We're just really bad, rebellious kids. I mean, yeah, that's what we were. Okay. And periodically we'd actually like break into the church. I remember I stole like a Walkman from the church. And a lot of people <laughs> listening aren't going to know what that is, but it's similar to like, I don't know, a phone now. <laughs> so anyways, they knew about us and they were 
I guess, praying for us. And some people in my neighborhood lived in a church and were praying for me. And they had hired a new youth minister, and he approached us while we were skateboarding in front of my house one day. And he was on a Harley. He was a young guy, probably 22. And he's like, hey, I'm the new minister at this church over here. Do you guys want to come to a Bible study? You want to learn about God? And we just made fun of him. We were like, we're relentless. <laughs> we were like, just, no way. But there was something about him that I was interested. I was like, okay, I have some background. We were very philosophical little 14-year-old kids, probably because of the music we listened to. Okay, We were uh, always talking about God and just weird stuff. And so he ended up inviting us to the church. We said, no, we're not going to go in there. That kind of weirded us out. At least not while you're open. Exactly. The <laughs> irony of that statement. But that's true. It's exactly what was going on. I had a friend who ran away and we like snuck him in the church bus. He was like living in the bus, like all this crazy <laughs> stuff, man. And um, he ended up saying, well, do you want to have a Bible study in the, this person's house who lives in your neighborhood, who goes to the church, the, the Varwicks? I'm still friends with these people and they very yeah. well may listen to this podcast. I thought that was weird. He would give me something for free. And he's just started going through the line. we just railed this guy we just railed this guy. We're like what about dinosaurs what about like anything you could think of that would mess him up and he was just consistent and long story short this guy led me to christ through this and i go to the church and i was like this scary looking kid but his vision wasn't youth ministry for now that i'm older i can see this his vision wasn't his vision wasn't youth ministry for the people the kids of the people going to the church not the church kids no his vision was youth ministry for the kids outside the church kind of sounds like youth venture didn't it yeah very yeah, well right on. and you know what that church blew up because of his ministry he was only there for probably four years that church had some interesting doctrines and so they wanted to baptize me right away i had a grandmother who was a faithful christian who was always praying for me so i wanted her to come see me baptize and she came hmm. and man it changed everything that changed everything bro that was it so that's my official conversion my dad had been a pretty strong believer before that and through my salvation at that church, that kind of uh, instigated and, and refostered the faith in his heart too. Yeah, so, right on. It happens so many times. Yeah. I see the change in the kid and oh my gosh, it becomes oh, very real, right? It was a fad. It was a fad. That's what everyone said. Oh, he's in the Christian fad. It's a long how, how fad. How long is this fad? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Till exactly. death, baby. It's a long fad. <laughs> I love it. One of the things I've seen, Jake, and it just certainly sounds like your story, is people that were radical before Jesus who got radically saved, don't just get cleaned up and then now they're respectable. They become radical Christians. Yeah, and I think that people need to embrace that. A lot of times the evangelist in your church is gonna be the weird guy. And part of that, I think, is personality type. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. But also, those people, when you get into church planning, are very valuable to a church. A lot of times those people won't even go to a church. Yeah. And they don't know why because it's such, it's such a internal gift. It's really hard to find out where it's at biblically and wrap it up. But once you understand it, I think probably one of the smartest things for churches to do in the future, which no church does at all, would be to hire an evangelist. Hmm. Hire put a guy on staff who's outside all the time. Just yeah. <laughs> in the neighborhood playing basketball with the kids, just send them out. He doesn't yeah. lead any programs. Maybe he preaches periodically, but if that's basically what this guy was doing, this youth minister was doing, is he was outside a lot. He was with us. He let us build skateboard ramps in the church parking lot. He set up skate tournaments for us. And this is like when skateboarding was illegal in the Midwest. <laughs> it was like piercings were fine, but yeah, skateboarding, was, no way. No recreation, please. And so the fact that they let us take over the parking lot and all those things yeah. and love. 
Another thing is the love I got from that church yeah. really drew me in. And people often forget about how much there's a lack of love in the world. Yeah. The, lo the world confuses like debauchery and acceptance with love, and that's not right. true. For sure. And one of, probably one of the most powerful things in retrospect that happened was a family in the church came to my house with cookies. Yeah. Like they brought me cookies. And for a kid who has, you know, my family was a little like rugged. No one had ever made me cookies. I didn't know you could make them. <laughs> like, <laughs> just buy things. You can make you these? Can, what? what does that even mean? And they brought me like homemade cookies. I remember coming home. I wasn't even there. I came home. My parents were like, oh, the church people brought you some cookies. They're in the fridge. And I was like, what? Dude. Someone brought me like cookies? Why would you do that? I sat down with a young guy at our church. His name is Andrew. Shout out to Andrew. And I asked him, why do you work so hard in this bus ministry we have? So we go to the ghetto apartments and, and I happen we pick to know kids. this Andrew. You know this Andrew? <laughs> yeah. I love this Andrew. He's on a barbecue tour right now that we did years ago with a friend of mine named Chuck Hicks. So he goes, I'll do that. I'll do that. So they go to the apartment complexes and they have a free barbecue and it's just free stuff. And I said, so... I said, Andrew, I could just see the zeal in him and I just see how much he's into it. And I said, Andrew, why do you do it? And he goes, you know what? I would want somebody to come to me. Yeah. Mm. I would want somebody to show up in my house. And you know what? When people are listening, okay, so you've got some people that are in that radical state of mind and like, wait a minute, I don't want to do church like church. Like I see it. I don't see the model that fits my soul and what I think God is calling to me to. But then you see the cookie baker who plays just as powerful a role in the whole con conversion yeah. story. It's love. It's, it's yeah. diabolical. Love. Yes, edible absolutely. Love. I love it. So this ev evolved into something, okay? Because you're a pastor mm. and I want you to talk about how that happened and the flavor of the church you lead and serve to, because it's cool. Okay, so <clears throat> I've always done ministry stuff because the gifting I have is evangelistic gifting. So I believe in the fivefold ministry. I believe that just as Ephesians says, I don't think it ceased at any point, God gives primary operational gifts to people. And you can see um, by even looking at a church, perhaps what the gifting of the leader is. Um, a church of 50 people for 50 years is actually probably a very faithful shepherd gift. Mm -hmm. And that's super necessary, a church um, that's always starting new churches and missions-minded. It's probably apostolic in nature, not by the denomination, but by the nature of the leader. They're always pushing the kingdom forward, right? Doing stuff like that. I just have an evangelist nature, so I've always been reaching the lost. In fact, I feel way more comfortable in sinner situations sometimes than I do in church situations, depending on the church. I grew up in the faith from 14 forward. I got fire baptized, if you know what that is, when I was 18. That really tipped me over the edge. And I immediately got hooked up with street preachers that were doing stuff in St. Louis. And I tagged along and I learned a lot. And I learned that there's a ministry there. And things would happen. And people that I'm still friends with who are like walking down the street going to kill themselves, they were planning on killing themselves. And we were like, hey, let me talk to you about God in the middle of nowhere, just like this guy did with me. And they would get saved. And I mean, it's a thing, you know. Now, that was a different culture at a different time, so it's a little bit different these days, but there's a ministry there, and that's really where like my heart was like heading towards, but I was so immature, and I didn't have anyone to disciple me, because I, and it wasn't their fault. I just didn't understand how much of my personality was 
undisciplable. Does that make sense? It took me a while to mature into that. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and there probably were people who wanted to disciple me that just couldn't because I wasn't going to listen. You know? yeah. And so that's on me. So as I grew and moved forward, I read the Bible a lot. And so the guy who led me to the Lord, thankfully, really instilled on in me, you have to read scripture. Like this is where it comes from. And in doing that, that really started building in me how things should be, how to be a man, how to treat women, how to respectfully disagree. Like all these things that you have to learn, I didn't really learn from a parent or from even a church. I learned from just scripture, right? The Bible, imagine yeah. that. Yeah, it's in there. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's subtle, sure. but you'll pick it up. Yeah. And so I started that in a ministry direction. And then immediately when I was 18, I I'd just become a member of an Assemblies of God church, the only church I was really ever a member of. And immediately after, their youth minister broke off. And he was like, man, I feel like God is calling me to start a church. And I'm in the Midwest, and that's unheard of. I didn't know anyone that was ever going to start a church. Wow. Just, they just exist, you know? Like, <laughs> like cookies. <laughs> yeah. They're in the store. They're, they're I don't in the know store. they happen. <laughs> exactly. Um, and there's something to be said about how my mind works like that. Because when you grow up really poor, you don't think about processes, yeah. you know, very much. So Got the same background. Yep. So this guy, his name is Tim. He was... The youth ministry is like, I'm going to plant a church. And I was basically was like, I'm on board. Essentially, I got into church planting. I was this guy's number two. Uh, and we didn't even know what it was called. We didn't know to call it church planting. We didn't read any books. We did everything the wrong way, backwards. <laughs> if you read a book, we did the opposite of everything that these books say. But the Lord How was, old were you? I was at this point, I was probably 18. This is right after high school <laughs> to 22. He luckily was about 30. Okay. He had a little bit more wisdom, a lot more wisdom than me. And we butted heads a lot. And he's like, Jake, you're wilding. You need to <laughs> cool it. And I didn't even understand what he's saying a lot, but I, I learned he's got some wisdom there. I should probably listen. And I stuck with that till I was about 25. And then I didn't know it was, I was church planting, mm -hmm. but I didn't know anyone who'd ever did it. And I didn't have any experience and neither did he. Mm -hmm. And so we're just doing it organically. And that church still exists, by the way, to this day, it's in St. Louis, in North County. It's called Joshua House. And it's a, got a really large biker ministry. They right called on. them, the, they got a club called the Faithful Few. And they are out there, man, ministering to like one percenters and doing it's gnarly, but and the, those dudes so do not good. look churchy. You do yeah. not go in that church. I got stories about that church. I love that church, and I bless that ministry. I could tell you, <laughs> I've had to, in St. Louis, take people to that church, and it's a cool experience. The love there is awesome. That church, Joshua House, was getting established. And then I was doing music, and I was doing a music ministry, which was really impactful for people. And it, music, I found, was a way that we could do a show at a bar or a church, wherever, and the music across the barriers. And we'd be in a bar, and we'd just straight up speak prophetically at the audience, like right there. And they were just shocked because we were nasty. Like we were, it was like hip hop. And then we'd come out and start praying for people, and they were like, what is wrong with these guys? These guys are nuts, right? So many crazy things happened in that ministry. We ended up touring. We toured the United States. Uh, we sent guys in our group to Israel. We did Brazil, like all sorts of places. So I was really getting a ministry feel, of it, but it was more evangelistic in nature. Had my college career, that was the whole thing. It took a long time. I was When I was done with that, I worked for about a year, and I felt the Lord call me to California. So I moved to California, and this is really where I consider me going into official ministry because I became a public high school teacher. Yeah. in one of the most dangerous high schools in the country in California. It's called Richmond High School in uh, the Bay Area. They made a movie about the high school called Coach Carter starring Samuel oh, L. Jackson. dude, I've seen it three times. A very tough environment. And that's when 
I started picking up, okay, I'm not here in the world just to work and goof off. Like this is something God's calling me towards serving his kingdom. I was the only Christian out of 88 staff. There was one other part-time coach who was a Christian. He's still around. He actually became the mayor of the parallel city one day is uh, coach Kenny, really cool guy. I ended up being a teacher, English teacher. I had an English degree, but I basically considered myself a missionary. And God used that experience five years teaching there to move me from where I was at, which was, I'm going to be a professional. I'm going to be a good teacher. I'm going to do service ministry. He basically moved me from there to I'm a Bible smuggler. I could be fired instantly for what I'm doing. I could maybe go to jail. At that point, I realized God's kingdom is greater than the politic. God's kingdom is the only thing that's going to change this community is the Lord. I was kind of radicalized, yeah. if that makes sense, but not in like in a bad way. I was just drawn towards it. all the nonsense ideas I picked up in my undergrad in college at a liberal institution. As soon as I saw how communities work, especially in the Bay Area, I was like, these guys have no idea what they're doing. The only thing that's going to help this place is Jesus Christ. That's it. The students were traumatized frequently. I mean. Oh, I can't imagine. It'd be probably not even suitable for this podcast. But suffice to say, when you have students coming to you with hardcore young kids, I mean, like murder, rape, all sorts of stuff, and it's just in your face, it makes you understand how serious the nature of the kingdom of God is in heaven and on earth. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. this has to hit earth. So at that school, basically over the time I considered myself, I changed and there was times where I just, be, hey, we close the door, we gotta pray. I pray over my kids, I call them my kids, my students. I joined the ceasefire program. We go around the neighborhood and try to stop the retaliatory gang violence which is really ripe out there all sorts of things the point is that i really learned that ministry is potent it has to happen directly it can't yeah. be like oh it can't be soft you know um because it's a real battle there's a real warfare it, is and it real. needs real warriors <laughs> and you don't know there. if you're going to see that kid tomorrow yeah. some of the kids just disappeared where did they go i don't know i still don't know some of them maybe they went back to their home country I don't know. Maybe they're trafficked. I don't know. There were some kids who were trafficked. I know that. So I was dating my wife. We had a discussion and I told her, it looks like I'm heading in towards ministry. I don't know how or if or how, what, but I, and I don't, wouldn't wish that on my enemy, by the way, because <laughs> I know pastors at this point and it doesn't look fun. I'm letting you know this. If you're trying to back out now, it's the time because that's probably where I'm going to go. You, If you married me, you'd probably be marrying a minister. Probably, as far yeah. as I know. I got called. I, I felt a sincere call from the Lord, 100%. I could tell you exactly where I was, where I really felt the Lord was like, I'm calling you to start a church, 100%. And so I was like, okay, all right, Lord, I don't got a problem with that, sure. And so the church was like, okay, well, we're starting a new ministry. We're renaming it. And if you feel God's call, then we'll send you out. So they sent me to San Diego to plant a church. So that's how I took on the role as a, a quote unquote pastor or minister was receive the call. These people had known me for uh, six years mm. and I basically was a deacon of this church for a long time. And they commissioned me and sent me out. Not really a lot of training, kind of parachuted in, but and tell me the flavor of what you're doing now. How, how long have you been in San Diego? And I know a little bit of it, but I want the people to hear. Yeah. Sure. I got to San Diego in 2013 and aiming at City Heights. And pretty much God had people there waiting for me. As soon as I came, I started meeting people that were interested in starting a church. Talk about the, the character of that neighborhood, City Heights. Oh, okay. City Heights, for listeners that don't know, they say like 60 languages in 
15 neighborhoods. And kind of high level of poverty, very refugee oriented, a lot of prostitution, trafficking. There weren't a lot of gangs when I started, but apparently there's been a rise in gang activity as of late. And yeah, it's just very poor and diverse. I grew up just down the block from there. Very urban, as they say. Yeah. American kind of urban dystopian, if you will. (laughs) So um, there's a lot of, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff out there. And so, yeah, but that was the area I felt called. So if I could characterize the ministry I feel called to, it's urban ministry. Okay. I get along with country folk, but I like concrete. It's like (laughs) skateboarding uh, is in my blood. But God really has shaped me and given me the skills, I believe, and the, the amount of thick skin to deal with urban environments. And so... I, and there's not a lot of churches that do that because you can't like it's and it's not like a diss on churches. It's just it's not an easy thing and it's not a fertile ground per se. However, the question for me isn't always what will happen if I do it, like how hard it'll be. It'll be it's more like mm-hmm. what happens if I don't do right, it. Right, exactly. So if you're called to a certain thing that you don't see going on anywhere, who's going to do it if you don't? Yeah, I had to think about that in a lot of different ways. I had someone fairly recently tell me you have to stop talking about abortion because one out of every four women have had an abortion. It really hurts people's feelings. And that's true. It does. But I just thought to myself, I'm a Christian. God has given us the word of God. If we don't say this. Who is? Who? who then no one is. Nobody. And it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And if we don't say it, who is? It's the same thing in the urban environment. It's like, I'm a Christian. God's given us this gospel. If we don't go into this place, it's just going to burn. Yeah. Are we just going to let this happen? So for yeah. me, it's that kind of compulsion for urban ministry. And I didn't realize the things that would make it the hardest, but a lot of times the things that make it the hardest aren't what you expect. It's not necessarily like the hardline drug addicts or the prostitutes or the crazy things that go on. It's like fake churches. <laughs> Like that to me has been one of the biggest detriments because mm-hmm. those brands of quote unquote Christianity tend to feed off of poor people because it gets a lot of attention. Does that make sense? And, but unfortunately, a lot of things that these people do, it's like gain a convert and make them twice the son of the devil. Mm-hmm. And it definitely does not help the community. We got people out here following the police around with cameras, filming the cops. And I'm not trying to get political or, or say that all cops are angels, but how's that helping? Getting into these kids' heads and pushing these kids towards sexual perversions and stuff like that and calling that Christian. That's yeah. all over the place. It's like a feeding where the poor are vulnerable and the wolves are going to go where the sheep are. And so for me, that's been one of the hardest parts in urban ministry is, yeah. is contending with these people people who I thought or I'd hoped were co-workers, but they're actually probably just completely demonic. At this point, it's kind of come out, you know, over the last couple of years. Well, for me, when I think about it in the character and the nature of what you're doing in an urban environment, it's like you don't have to go to Angola or Brazil. or They're here, and so you go right across the street. We have cultural differences just everywhere. So if you're talking to somebody who this is resonating with, how would you instruct them? How would you encourage them to reach out to that in huge cultural diversity that they have right in their neighborhood? Personally? Okay. Like if they live in the neighborhood, like yeah. personally? Yeah. Okay. So. Cookies is part of it. Cookies. I get that. Yeah. 
I think having to develop and foster just a genuine love and interest with people, that's just evangelism 101. If you don't love people, if you judge them a lot, it's going to be hard for you. Mm -hmm. But if you recognize all people are equally really messed up, (laughs) (laughs) including you. I'll I'll accept that. Again, it's all over scripture, just Romans 2, Romans 14, it's all over. If you just approach people as people, and see, this is where the false teachings, they don't want you to do that. Everyone, you know, there's racial essentialism, there's sexual identity. These are the things that caused that you and I are completely opposite. We can't see each other as people. I completely reject that. A person is a person. A man is a man and a woman's a woman, fundamentally. And that's it. So if you're a man, I don't care what the cultural expectations are. I have an expectation that you're a man and that there are things that transcend our cultures. And culture isn't necessarily a bad thing. There are bad things in particular cultures. Whatever culture you're at has pluses and minuses. I'm interested in your culture and your story, whoever you are. Mm. So when you meet a person, I've come to this conclusion that the pinnacle of all this stuff, race relations and multiculturalism, is first identifying a person as a person. And I don't mean fluffing it up like, oh, they're an image bearer, you know, all this like kind of fluffy stuff. No, this is a man. This person has a story. In City Heights, if you walk up to a guy, it doesn't matter what they look like. You don't know even if they speak English. Mm. You don't know anything about someone. Were they oppressed? You don't know. You have no idea. You don't know if they were abused. You have nothing. You have, Or if they're just a super successful person, that just happens to be in City Heights. You don't know until you talk to them. And so just seeing people as people, loving them, not, not as gods and elevating them as like <laughs> deifying them and not as beasts as below you, but just as people and loving on them and being able to approach them. And if there is a difference, learn about it. Being willing to like learn about it, hear about it, understand someone's story goes really far. And sometimes you will meet someone who has a crazy perspective and they'll tell you something really wild. You're like, wow, that's interesting. And then find those things interesting. Love the things about someone's culture that are loving, that are awesome. Man, I didn't really know any Latino people until I moved to California. You want to talk about, I, I feel like I missed out. Like, did, you did, missed out on all the did. food, all the That's dancing. That's why I tricked my wife so I could marry one. <laughs> Dude, you got like the food, the dancing, you got the family, all like family. You, the extended family unit, you have parties outside. That's like, man, I didn't get, all I got was like rock and roll. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's over. Anyways, so when you see people and you can embrace other cultures and be like, oh, this is cool. I don't, I didn't ever do that, but I can see the merits in it. Enjoy the things that are similar, the food, the dancing, those things like that, and be a part of it. You can kind of like, you know, again, this is evangelist gift talking, but like you can go to those parties. You can go to this person's house and engage in a situation. Now, periodically something will happen that you mess up because culturally you don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> but there's grace there if someone loves you and if you love yeah. someone else there's Bingo. always grace there so it's yeah. not a big deal of course go home and look it up ask somebody oh you know <laughs> i said this and it did not go well oh yeah here's why it's like oh, okay that was okay now it makes sense you know and that and learn it and move forward with it yeah. and people will see that and appreciate it and so with cultures i basically have taken an approach called non-judgment i don't judge people on anything it i don't even know you until i talk to you that's it that's the first and that's the step with culture and i'm also like that with sin nature what do you got going on what's the situation so you're a minister right so people are gonna come to you with their issues sometimes those issues are shocking 
Mm -hmm. I learned this in the public schools. Sometimes the issues and the sins that people will bring up or the things that you find out are quite, you'll lose sleep. (laughs) Isn't that healthy things going on in the world? I don't know if you've been out there. And so you'll hear this, but just understanding this is how the world is. You know what I mean? I shouldn't be shocked that this crazy situation happened or this perversion or this drug or whatever has taken root. That's what happens without the Lord. And that sin. is what yeah. happens. It's not shocking. Now, it's shameful to mention the things that the wicked do in secret. We're not going to like brag about it, and I'm not going to enjoy it. Celebrate it. Yeah, and the people who are caught up in that deep down know it's destructive and evil. Or else the only people who wish to defend things like that, again, are fake Christians, things like that. But the people who have suffered from bad decisions and for other people's bad decisions, they know it's wrong because they've suffered yeah. through it, right? So... Whatever the situation is or whatever the sin is, not coming with the attitude of judgment, with coming with, ad, with an attitude of God has a, a better way than this. Have you considered what Jesus taught about this? And not like plowing them. I do plow, I mow people over. Like I, I have a brash personality. But again, the people who spark that in me, and I'm, I'm working on that with myself, but the people who spark that in me are Christians. Yeah, I get it. And I can't stand that you would spit in the face of Jesus and twist scripture and manipulate these poor people who yeah. need the gospel. You know, that's why I tell people who are arguing out there that being gay is not a sin. If you tell someone that being gay is not a sin, you're telling a person who struggles with homosexuality they can't be saved. Yeah. Because you can't be saved unless you're a sinner. Jesus said this. It didn't come for the healthy. It came for the sick. Right. So when I meet sick people, you're actually a step forward. When those when the wolves get them, they take them to the bottom of the ocean. You can't reach them. But if you meet a person who's sick, they recognize it. It's good because I know a great physician. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm catching this, some of the basics of this are number one, just like we say with every episode, you're sent. Understand, you're built a certain way that they're good works that God has built for you to walk in. He yep, knows Ephesians. how he built you. Exactly. So I've got good works for you. I prepared them ahead of time. Go do it. And if you don't, who is? That's right. Right? That's the call. There we go. So that's the sin. Then secondly, especially in this, but it's kind of universal, is that first respect that human being as a human being. Start from there. Number three. That's called love, by the way. Yes, yep. it is. That's it is. called love. Yes, see what, see how them how God wants. And you know what? And even if you don't have it, get it. Pray it. Because then. you've been saturated with Jesus' love. You got enough Amen. love. Amen. Come on. You just get it from him so you can give it to them. And, and can I do a caveat right here? That was That's going to look different for different people. Absolutely. Sometimes men, young men in particular, the most loving thing you can do is put them into a corner and say, <laughs> I will punch you in the face. Like just like a direct manhood talk. Yeah. The world hates those, but that is so loving to a young guy. What I'm trying to say is the love is understanding God has a vision for that person. He has a call for yeah. that person, love for that person, and seeing them as God would see them and developing an interest in them. Yep. That's it. And it's the same another way that that would look and be exactly love is my buddy Dinah, who I met with yesterday and Every week, she goes to the apartment of a 104-year-old woman, and she takes care of her, and she ministers to her, and she loves her. And so she's doing that because, and she had this revelation that she told me about recently, oh, I don't have to go around the world. I am doing what God's calling me to do. This is when, this is how I'm sick. Yes. And she's on fire that's it okay so we're sent and we've got to love people harold brown 
our buddy who mm. is in eternity now having fun he taught me because he was one of the finest homeless ministers that yeah. i've ever met i said what would you tell to somebody about if they want to reach out to homeless people he goes ask them their name mm -hmm. start there Ask them their that's name. It. They all of a sudden they become a human that's being. It. That's it. It's something that's very, very executable. It's something that God has called us all to do. So listen to him. Find out what he's calling you to do, and then, and then radically go do it. Yeah, in non-judgment. Yeah, and the non-judgment part is important. Be aware of who that person is and what they love, and it's okay to be a part of those things that aren't sinful and know those things. Because yeah. people get really surprised when you know something about their culture. So I'm always reading into culture and things like that. Or if someone's listening to music, they're really into, go listen to the album. It might yeah. be terrible. Yeah. And it, the, it might be very sinful even, but at least you know what's being discussed or right. you might pick up on you're the in the conversation exactly, exactly. yeah you're in the life yeah, that's with the young people that's important well i'll tell you what i would love for you to do is just pray for the people that are listening and what god might have them do with this message that we've been discussing today okay you ready yeah here we go god we love you god it's our honor to be in your kingdom lord it's our honor to be changed by your holy spirit lord god i'll never forget being saved lord and Lord, I just pray that for the listeners here, Lord, that you will spark in them um, a love for your gospel mm -hmm. and a love for people, Lord, whoever they are and whatever they look like, Lord, albeit Muslim, whether they're urban kids, whether they're just people that are rough, homeless even, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you'll open up our eyes and see these people as people, Lord, and not hold them in disdain, but see them as you see them. And God, I pray that even for me, Lord, as I just pray this, that you'll give us a heart of compassion. They're sheep without a shepherd. You'll help us to find inroads, Lord, even in our own neighborhoods. And help us walk like Jesus walked yeah. among the people, Lord, in it, not of it, God. And touch people just in our daily lives. Lord, do what we're called to do and love people, Lord, in whatever way, just in our own lives, Lord, starting even with our own families and then moving out to our neighborhoods, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, for the person that has fear and the person that feels overwhelmed with it, God, I pray that you just give them some low-hanging fruit, mm, yes. Lord, and encourage them. I pray for everyone listening to this right now that they'll be able to baptize one person in the next year. I just pray that over every single listener here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jake.